You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Welcome to episode 69 of Flipping Tables. I'm your living host, Mike Edwards. And I am your slowly dying host, David Lyons. Oh, God. In the monitors, it's so brutal. It's so bad. Yeah. Um, we're, we're pushing through. We're going to soldier on. Uh, so we have some follow-up, as usual now. And uh, the first one's just my own. It wasn't anyone else that said anything to me. I have my own follow-up. Um, a couple episodes back, we were talking about the, the new Force Touch feature, which Apple has on their trackpads on their newer MacBooks and also on the watch, though it's a little different on the watch. Um, and kind of the, the comments that I've seen around the internet, and I think you said this too, um, is there, was kind of this idea like, well, Force Touch is basically the same as Long Tap. And yeah, why? It is. It's, it's at least right now, it's Long yeah. Press. And it's just, yeah, other than like being slightly faster, which isn't that important. It also buzzes. Right, right. Um, and so it just occurred to me the other night when I was playing a game on my phone that um, it could be really useful for certain gaming situations. And the, the easiest one I thought of was a car accelerator. Well, yeah. So since and, it, and racing games are really popular on like iPads and iPhones. Yeah. So. So yeah, being able to press and mount and like, there's no way a long press. Like, well, the longer you press, the more the pedal is down, is going to cut it. Yeah, that'd be weird. In that situation, it, it would actually need to be like, is he is the pedal halfway down because he's pressing kind of yeah. hard? Is it on the floor? And so, I mean, I guess you could generalize that to anything where you want some granular, responsive feedback to how hard you're pressing. So, I mean, the one that they put in OS 10, I think, is fast forward buttons. You can like control exactly how fast it's zooming forward really? or back. Like in QuickTime? Yeah. Oh, I haven't tried that yet. Yeah. Because I, I have a, a Force Touch trackpad, which I think I bragged about before. It's like it it does feel uniformly clicky. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's neat. I'll check it out. And I think it makes sense for that situation. What I think won't catch on is the invisible menus of like define this word by pressing through your laptop. <laughs> and there's like there's no like that's not intuitive. Like no. maybe you can learn it if you're really into force touch gestures, but I just don't see myself going and like force touching words to see what they mean. I can imagine like some interesting maybe puzzle games where it's like you uh or, or even something like an Angry Birds, where it's like you don't instead of dragging the thing back, like the harder you push, the more it like reels back the catapult, right. and then kaboom, you know. Yeah, if they can get this on to which that's the rumor for the next iPhone is that the whole screen will have Force Touch, so you could still drag your bird's trajectory and then control the force. Oh, there at you the go. Same time. So does that mean a year later it'll be on the iPad too? <laughs> Probably the, the iPad Air three or whatever. Let's crazy. just uh, <laughs> sing a sad song for the iPod Touch, which is like no, three years old it's, now. It, yeah, it's done. <laughs> um, so I said that I would look up. There's the phrase "nothing to sneeze at." Yeah, and I linked to this in the show notes so you could check it out. But it's the story feels a little apocryphal. <laughs> it's basically if uh, you had a snuff box and the person was like spouting some BS, <clears throat> you don't want to listen to them anymore. So you put some snuff up your nose, which was common, but you do it while they're talking because there's a good chance that would make you sneeze. And uh, 
I I don't know. The the one I mean I like it. It's like a fun party story, but it it seems a little specific. <laughs> well, the one thing I like about it is my very specific complaint about the phrase "nothing to sneeze at" was sneezes are random, right? And the story addresses that by inducing a sneeze on purpose with snuff. Yeah. So I mean, it's definitely. I, I don't know much about snuff and how popular. Like, did everybody just have a snuff box all the time? Like, I don't know. So. That's, I mean, if anybody, if any linguists are out there and you want to chime in on this, that'd be awesome. But this, this is the only good story I found in the 90 seconds of Googling I was willing to contribute to this. And then the, the word sneeze itself, if, in case you were curious, apparently it's just from old words that just meant breathe. Which is kind of boring. Yeah. Because a sneeze is like way different than a normal <laughs> breath. Like, Yeah, your body explodes. <laughs> and then uh, this last piece of follow-up, or the second to last piece of follow-up, so... Um, I think I've 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 talked about Uber. I know we talked about some of the crappy things that their their management was up to, and there's all these like negative uh, press and negative rumors around them. Well, recently I was traveling and I got off the plane and I hit the lift, and uh, it says something like "service not found" or like "service uh, something that made it sound like the app was broken, not that." <laughs> The, we aren't here. <laughs> right. So I Googled it, that the phrase, and it, the first result is like, oh, that means Lyft isn't in that area. So now I'm like an unknown amount of distance from the curb because I'd never been in this airport before. So I'm by myself. I'm like, it's late. It's I got in at like five after midnight, so I'm exhausted. I'm like power walking. I was like, I'm going to have to take Uber because I don't know what the cabs are like in this city. The hotel I'm going to doesn't have a shuttle. So while walking through an airport I've never been in, I have my phone in my hand. I went into the Play Store, downloaded the Uber app, installed it, signed in with Google so I didn't have to type anything, attached it to Google Wallet so I didn't have to enter any payment credentials, and had a car waiting for me when I got outside. <laughs> this is a span of like... The future is here. Maybe like three minutes because it was not a very large airport. You may have been through there. It was Columbus. Yeah, that not just. The, I don't think I've been to the airport, at least not in a long time. It's not a big one. So, I mean, it's not like I had hours to solve this problem. I was like, I'm going to be outside in less than 10 minutes and I don't want to wait for a cab. <laughs> but just, just in time, like, can you imagine in the 90s, like, yeah, you're going to install software while you're walking through the airport and then that's going to connect your identity and your payment to a service that will bring a car to pick you up. Yeah. No, it was, and I mean the the you know the guy was fine. It wasn't really, it wasn't really that different from a lift. It was just like a guy and his Toyota or whatever, and he knew where the hotel was and everything was fine. <laughs> but like I was just, you know, Uber as a company aside, like the experience was tremendous. Like yeah, super smooth, super fast because it connected my profile. It had my name and my picture and everything. It was just like boom, done. Well, and like some of my favorite things are not only the GPS where you can see the car approaching, but yeah, which, which is- Lyft does in like like stop motion. So it's like the car's here and then bink, and now it's over here. Yeah. But with Uber, it's like a smooth <laughs> like you see the car moving. So there's that cool metadata. You get to see a picture of your driver. They presumably get to see your picture to know who they're picking up. But um, that all aside, just the the fact that payment has nothing to do with the person in the car, right? Or like the the awkward like end of a cab ride where like oh here's some cash or oh get like hand back <laughs> your card machine. Or I've even recently when we were in Indianapolis, the the cab we took had a full on chunk chunk like. 
Kardec with like a carbon copy. Yeah. Oh man, I haven't I used like, one of those in years. Like, what year is it? <laughs> like, oh, that's that would almost alarm me. Like, yeah. I understand you don't have a square reader, but how are you this far behind? <laughs> Because then it's like it might be weeks before that charge shows up on your card <laughs> yeah. by the time he like takes all the receipts to the bank. Ooh, scary. Yeah. But yeah, so Uber as a company may be evil, but I But they're good at what they do. <laughs> they're good at it. So I'm I plan to still use Lyft whenever Lyft's available. Um and there's another one called uh Sidecar, which I hadn't even heard of. It's only in five cities. It's in like, you know, San Francisco and New York and so this is the the land rush of of car services and like if we forced an analogy of early social networks do you like feel like is Uber the MySpace or the Facebook like are they too early and they're going to get eaten alive by something that we haven't heard of and it's going to come in 3 years or are they Facebook and they're just going to be like unbelievably unstoppable That's tough cuz I mean when MySpace was the thing it was like the thing so I would say they're definitely not the Friendster. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what was the Friendster of car sharing, but it was not. It's not Uber. So I'm going to go with MySpace, just because I think if they don't stop this like this trend of of freaking out the tech media, yeah. they're going to lose their darling status. Yeah, and then eventually that'll trickle down to regular people. Now, my one difference I think is a, a significant difference is. With social networks, where all your friends are influences what you do. That's like all that influences. Yeah. Whereas, like, well, all my friends use Lyft. Well, right now I just need a ride, so it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. So that that network effect is not nearly as present. Although, it, I mean, the what I'd heard about Uber aside, there is like a brand loyalty, and like when I yeah. tried Lyft and Lyft didn't work, I was like, oh, I'm a Dapper Dan man. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was a little like. Like oh I have to I can't go to Woolworths I gotta go to Macy's like what a bummer that was I swear Kmart. to God I'm, I'm not like in my 80s but that joke really made me sound like I'm in my 80s well that and you're about to die <laughs> my crazy smoker's voice you um, got your snuff box out so there the one other thing about self driving cars that I don't think we have time to dig way into because it's uh it was Google I O this weekend um but I think. The important thing about like Uber and Lyft and Sidecar and whatever else is social change usually follows uh, technology change by quite a bit, sometimes years or even decades. Self-driving cars, the thing I'm excited for is not owning a car and just using my magic pocket computer to summon a car when I need one. Ride-sharing services are going to teach people to not own a car before the technology for self-driving cars interesting right so like 10 years from now it's like well i don't don't care i just push a button on my phone and a car shows up whether a human's driving it or not is not the thing so like the fact that society and technology are kind of moving in tandem this one weird time like is i think it's going to really accelerate that change and there's a whole other interesting thing i want to unpack there but for next week, maybe. Yeah, you mean during WWDC? It's for two weeks from now, maybe. <laughs> um, but then this this last bit of follow up is, uh, I think both of us have complained about you, especially with an iPhone. Like you have to turn it off while you're walking home, the Wi Fi, because otherwise every building it goes by, yeah. it's like, hey, a Starbucks, hey, yeah. a building. 
Hey, another building. It's oh, mainly oh, building when, when I leave work. It's like the building just clings, <laughs> or my phone clings to the building, even though long after the building's like, I don't know who you are. Yeah, and it's not like you get immediate errors when you try and refresh Twitter no, or something. Just it just hangs. sits there and loads and loads, spinner so, forever. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really used to proactively turning Wi-Fi off. Yeah. So on Android L, um, the up until two days ago most recent version of Android, there's uh, this smart network feature, and the idea is it will turn Wi-Fi, air quotes, off if it's below a certain uh, connection strength. It works. It works really well. It's actually a little bit aggressive. Yeah. Uh, so like I was sitting in this hotel lobby, and I was kind of in like a, a little nook so that I wasn't you know, bothering people with my typing and I had podcast playing and, and, uh, my phone kept like lighting up and it was like, eh, disconnected for you. Oh, no way. It's cool. We're back. Nah, I disconnected again. I'm just kidding. Do they let you adjust the threshold of like how weak it has to get? Uh, no, at least not that I'm aware of. Um, but it's, I mean, that was kind of a slightly unique circumstance, yeah. and I could have just moved ten feet closer. And can you tell? Is it specifically signal strength, or is it do some other voodoo of like shit just isn't moving? <laughs> uh, they make it sound like it's just signal strength, but it would be nice if it was also shit is just not moving because if you go into like a Target or a Panera, you have to do that stupid extra like sign in step where you connect to the network, and then it's like. Oh hey, can you now also press this connect button on a web page for no reason? So if it also ignored that and it was just like, oh no, whatever, this is a stupid Wi-Fi network. <laughs> you don't want this crap. Like I would appreciate that. I know a lot of people wouldn't, but the thing is, like, you'll be in a target for like a half hour and then you look at your phone and you're like, huh, I thought Bill was gonna, you know, send me something on Hangouts, and then you're like, Oh, I've been basically blocked from the internet this whole time. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I'm I'm it's on. Like I turned it on I guess 4 or 5 days ago and I've left it on and I'm going to keep it on cuz I have enough data that if if it's aggressively turning off yeah. my Wi-Fi, I'm okay with that. And that's the thing is when I manually do this um there are nights where like it gets to, you know, well into the evening at home and I'm like, "Oh, I'm not on Wi-Fi." <laughs> Whoops. And it's kind of like I have so much data now, I just don't care. <laughs> You're on AT&T? Yeah. And they killed unlimited, right? Right, I get 15 gigs a month. That is many gigs. And I uh, only have 10, and I thought that was a lot. And uh, I haven't seen, like I used to, when I was back on like three gigs, <laughs> I used to see like the, you've used half your data, you've used two-thirds of your data. I haven't seen one of those warnings forever. No, and when you do, you'll be able to look back and you'll be like, oh, we went on that car trip and I watched Netflix for six <laughs> yeah. hours in the back seat. Pretty much. So Google I.O. happened. Yeah. And... uh I gotta say, like, kind of upfront, um, surprising amount of people were like, "Man, that was underwhelming." This happens every single year with all these conferences. That's true, but I th- I was surprised where I was seeing it. Like some of the the like tech celebrities and and on some blogs, they were like, "Well, we had Google I/O, but wasn't a very impressive year." And it's like, what? Like, <laughs> come on, man! Like, what? Just because they didn't give away like six devices this time? I think it's the the damned if you do, damned if you don't. Of um, Google already announced some of this stuff months ago. Yeah, and it's just like it's not the wow factor. It's like, yeah, that really awesome thing we already unveiled. It's still coming, and here's some more developer details about it. Well, and I think Google, in this specific case, like the way you phrase that, they're trying really hard to like 
make this a developer conference again because that's what it is. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, the press already knew about it, but the whole point was to get these developers in here and like work with them. Yeah. Right. So sorry, you know, consumers. Like this isn't really for you. It'll be for you when they make cool stuff. Right now it's it's for them first. And yeah. uh I have to say this is one thing that's slightly different between them and Apple is Apple does like two big announcements a year. You know, it's like new iPhone and new iOS and then like, you know, new like Macs have been refreshed and that kind yeah. of thing. And but like that's it. Google is announcing and killing stuff like every day. It's like new product, new feature, new toggle switch. Yeah. Oh, that didn't work. Burn that down. Like <laughs> yeah. it's just back and forth constantly. So I, I think not only is this a developer show, so it makes sense for it to be centered around developers, but it's it's like yeah, we we announce yeah. stuff all the time. They're a little more dot releases with Google. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. That's a good way to put it. So was there anything before before we kind of jump into the rundown? Was there something that jumped out at you and you were just like, yes? Was there anything that I mean, I know you're not a big Android user anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's a little harder for me to care about paying really close attention to it. Though, I mean, here's what I will say to that point about like not a big Android user is um it's not a total vice versa iOS and Android because iOS users can still use a ton of Google services. True story. And, you know, a ton of apps and a ton of reasons to still pay attention to Google. If you aren't, don't have any Apple devices, you have literally nothing to care about <laughs> an Apple event or almost nothing unless for some reason you use iCloud just in the browser. Yeah. Or <laughs> which like, which would be strange. Yeah. Like when they announced iWork would be available to like everyone and yeah. everyone was like, huh. <laughs> like, that's weird yes. people on Macs don't use that like is that really what you're going to lead with yeah so it's it's a little a, not asynchronous asymmetrical in terms of attention yeah um, and so I mean some of the, the Chrome announcements are pretty interesting and uh I don't know. Let's just get into them. Like, what do you what do you want to talk about first? So uh, the the two things that they announced specifically for Android, because um, I mean, this is a Google show, but a lot of what they talk about is is Android stuff. Um, fingerprint API, which I'm like, I mean, you know, anybody who's heard the last few episodes of the show knows I'm like, <laughs> fingerprint <laughs> unlock all the things. <laughs> well, it's funny. I just hung out with a, a buddy of mine who has the GS5, which has the swipey style. Yeah, and. I'd forgotten that, and I showed him. I was like, "Oh, check it out!" It's like I'm gonna log with my finger. It's neat because <laughs> he's not a big tech guy. And he was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I turned that on on mine, and it didn't work really well, so I turned it off." And I was like, "No, it works awesome. How? What do you mean it doesn't? Wait, do you have the five? And he was like, "Yeah, it's the newest one." I was like, "Wrong. <laughs> you were behind the curve, my yeah. friend." That, but, that, and, that was their first. Yeah, kind well, of. And, and it's the swipey like. The, yeah. But the button's still at the bottom, so you have to like pinch grip the phone with like your knuckle and yeah. the tip of your thumb. And I was like, "Yeah, that was never so, a good idea." Why did you even ship this? Yeah, because <laughs> Samsung just—they just have a room full of things they threw at the wall. Like better ship them. We got to clear this room out. So put that product <laughs> in the market. <laughs> Pretty much. I don't know why we made a hundred million of them, but put them into Best Buys. But yeah, so the fingerprint API being part of the OS because like the way it works on Samsung is awesome, but. It's a Samsung. You're not going to get buy-in from all developers. I don't think you even can. Yeah. I don't think it's like, oh, well, they could come. Oh, it's just like Samsung apps. I think so. Just unlock the phone, but not much else. I think so. And even if it's not, it's exactly what you just said. They're not going to get buy-in. If it's part of the OS, then they'll get buy-in. Yeah. Um, So now it's going to be there. But, of course, 
This isn't just software thing, hardware thing. So you're talking, not only does the device have to run and have to have a secure chip for it. Yeah, it's got to have the whole doohickey. Um, and that, and then the other one. Because, well, yeah, you don't want your apps to go, oh, that's his fingerprint. Oh, neat. <laughs> you want a yes or no answer from yeah. the API. Let's send that over HTTP and just make sure everything is cool. <laughs> Uh, then the other big one uh, for me was the the granular app permissions. Yes, um, stolen from iOS. Not sorry. Well, I mean, I own two different Android phones, and by now they're kind of ancient. But the HTC One X, which I immediately not jailbroke, immediately rooted, and uh, get your platforms flashed, right. Flashed uh, Cyanogen. No one talks about Cyanogen anymore, do they? Is they, they fallen had, from grace? They no one a, likes them a anymore. Weird thing with. Um, well, was, they went corporate. They, yeah, they had a weird thing with the one plus one, and then the other side of it is most uh, first party companies kind of clean their act up. I mean, Motorola totally came around. That's Sony true. totally There's, came around. HTC totally came around. Samsung's yeah. trailing, but they came around a lot. It's kind of like I don't really see a lot of articles about jailbreaking iPhones anymore because like iOS eight is removed enough paper cuts. Yeah, that no one really cares. Like it's more of a hassle to jailbreak. Um, so. As I was saying, I had an HTC One X and a Nexus Four, and uh, it like so. The example that I always bring up is if I installed Facebook or just any app that wanted to use that requested location. Um, first off, I couldn't just say no one app. You can't have location. So I'd either my choices are don't install the app or turn off location for my entire phone. Yeah, yeah. It was just everything <laughs> or nothing with zero granularity. And, not even a middle step. Yeah, and w- I just remember the—I mean, not that Reddit's like the the nicest place on earth, but like when I like asked about it, people are just like, "Well, just don't install it then." And I'm like, "Well, this got to an ultimatum pretty quickly." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it just never made sense to me. Like, why couldn't I? And I mean, it's because I did come from iOS, which, to be fair, they didn't have that early on. And uh, it came early-ish. I mean, not yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. But early-ish. But as soon as I had that, I'm like, oh, I can tell Mark Zuckerberg to fuck off and he can't <laughs> see where I am, Like, but I can still have location for everything else? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to toggle a, a global setting to use the map yeah. and then toggle it back when I want to use Facebook. And for Android, it removes that terrifying like install screen of like, this app wants everything yeah. on Earth. And you know, I've really started to notice that too because it's... It, that screen is fairly granular. So if you go to install an app and then it's like, oh, this app needs access to everything. You're like, <laughs> it will ah! see you, hear you, know where you are, know your bank yeah. account, know your social security. Number. You're like, why does Angry Birds need access to the camera and Google Wallet? Like this? I don't think so, buddy. Especially because even if there's a logical reason, like, oh, there's in-app purchases, so it has to have access yeah. to... You know, internet is like, eh. and I know everyone likes to like shit on Facebook, but really, their developers I don't think are nefarious. It's like, oh, you can share your location when you want to, yeah, but the app has to ask for it first, like right. just at the ground level before it installs. And like, I don't think Facebook developers sitting there like going <laughs> <laughs> raccoon. Yeah. I think the the reason most people on iOS. Really like being able to turn off location is not for privacy; it's for battery. Yeah. Every time that thing has to ping a GPS satellite, your battery just goes yeah. and like takes one in the side. That's an interesting thing to bring up because uh, there's also some innovation there of like there's different kinds of location access, and apps can say I only need it periodically. And yeah. so, like what iOS will do, and I'm I presumably Android would do something similar is. 
it can periodically, if it gets a location for any reason, that's just stored for yeah, when apps ask enough. for it. And it's yeah. like, anyone need location? Because this, you know, this bar is closing. But <laughs> well, it probably also takes longer to get a, uh, a really accurate location. <clears throat> but they can probably grab a uh, like a general location from like cell towers and Wi-Fi hotspots. So if you're trying to ask Yelp, like. What are some good restaurants in Denver? Like, it only needs to know that you're in Denver. Yeah. It doesn't need to know, like, what street you're on or what building you're but in. But if you open maps, it's like, okay, where yeah. is he? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what part of the mall are you on? <laughs> so that's, I'm excited for those two things. And the only thing about granular app permissions is now having used an iPad for a little over a month, um, it's not naggy, but every once in a while I'll install a new app and then. The first like six things are like, yeah. can I have access to this? So that's kind of access. To, uh, no, wait, no. <laughs> before you do anything, can I have access to this? And like, it's, I haven't been using iOS that long. It'll probably yeah. kind of fade into the background. But they need to make sure it's not whiny. Well, good developers can delay that. They can wait till you access the part of the app that needs that. True. I've seen that happen on some apps where it's like, until you go to the map, it doesn't even bother asking. And I'm like, good. I think they also recognize if they are naggy, like people will just be like, no, 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 no. Yeah, so they're going to just turn down whatever your request well, is. Well, if it's out of context, you might say no. But if it's like, oh, I told it I wanted to record a voice message, then it needs access to the microphone. Right. Yeah, and I've noticed most apps with the uh, the notification one, they typically... When you're on like the notification setting screen, do you want to give this app access to send you notifications? I'm like, well, okay, I know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're not trying to trick me because yeah. I'm on the notification setting screen. So uh, one of the other IO additions was copy and paste improvement. And I, I can you sum up like what the difference is? Like what did they change? I can't. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you what it looks like, but this one actually threw me for a loop. <laughs> so the way copy paste works on Android right now is you you long press. You don't force touch. You long press, and then if you're right, if you're obviously on a word, it'll jump uh, the little. I don't know what you call them little handles. You know, to, it'll select the word. Yeah, that word. And then at the top, there are really obvious icons for cut, copy, paste. Or if they're, if you are there words cut, too, or just icons? Just icons. Okay. You know, it's a phone. They're trying scissors to, and yeah, so forth. Like really straightforward. Um, I think it's pretty. Like I, I've never had any trouble with this. And uh, and then you press the button, and then when you want to paste somewhere, like say you're copying like a username and you want to paste it, <clears throat> you would uh, long press. Little paste button comes up. You press that. It pastes. Bada bing! Like you're done. Uh, the way they're changing it is from what I've seen. It basically looks like exactly how it is on iOS. And I really hope if that's true, it works better because I think copy paste on iOS sucks. <laughs> I hate it. I can never ever get the cursor where I want it to be. So the thing that drives like if I'm just doing a word or something, it's fine. It works great. It's when I'm have to select like a whole sentence every once in a while. It just freaks out and goes, "You mean the whole page? You mean the whole paragraph?" And I'm just like, "You mean no. the whole world?" And I don't know if it's like the the I'm just on a shitty website with like the HTML is all garbled up, and it's like I don't know where to land. But um, I think my main comment is uh, copy and paste. I just don't enjoy it on mobile whatsoever. Nothing beats a good keyboard shortcut and a mouse for it, that. <laughs> well, and this actually, I mean, I don't know if this is a software thing, but this is potentially somewhere where iOS's like super accurate screen is hurting it. Because 
from your point of view, your finger has not moved. From the screen's point of view, it moved enough that it's now yeah. in the space between two lines of text. And it's like, well, oh, he must want me to roll up well, onto you the seen, next like, line. It, it switches between the two handlebars to like the full square. Mm-hmm. And that's when I go like, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm wanting to pick a specific sentence and you're switching to paragraph mode. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I don't Android doesn't even have modes. It's just got the handlebars. And this I mean, so the, this where this comes up for me is I actually am a crazy person who uses correct grammar when I like text and I am even on a phone. In capital letters and punctuation. The, the whole same thing. here. Yeah. So if I miss like an Oxford comma or something, I will go back and click like or tap at the end of the word and like, I need to put an Oxford comma here on Android on a tiny ass little screen. I very rarely have a problem with this on iOS. I'm like here. And then if you want to go like one character, Oh, I know what you're talking yeah, about. It doesn't work. So if you tap anywhere near the current insertion point, it assumes you want the menu to pop up, yep. not that you want to move the cursor slightly. Yeah. So then you have to do the, the desktop equivalent of a white space click and like, Tap way far away. So and your, then come your back. other option is a long press, and, and then you get the little magnifier, and you can move the insertion point that not way. Not intuitive. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. But that's good. I'm, future reference. Yeah. Well, for you, this was like the three finger swipe in Slack. You're like, <laughs> yeah. oh my god. Um, I wonder if they'll force touch that somehow. I don't know. <laughs> That'll be less intuitive. Um, yeah, I mean, and maybe if I wasn't coming from an Android device, I wouldn't expect it to work like Android. But I feel like. Moving the cursor one character to the left or right is not like Android specific. I really wouldn't mind if the virtual keyboards had forward back buttons. Arrows. And I, I think the the new iOS eight keyboard has it in landscape. You get little arrows. And Ooh. I'm like, guess how often I type in landscape? Never. Because <laughs> <laughs> I I don't like the keyboard covering, you know, ninety percent of the screen. Yeah. There are um I'm well, maybe not on iOS because iOS third party keyboards suck, but there are um, some third-party keyboards on Android that I know people use just because it has a tab key. I'm like, okay, so if you're filling out a form, the next button on the keyboard, on the stock keyboard, already does that. So are you like are yeah. you coding? <laughs> are you creating like bulleted lists that you need like a tab key? And if you're key? coding on your touchscreen device, you have a Bluetooth keyboard, right? Because you're not insane. Right, yeah. <laughs> or are you some kind of like... Savant, and you can just type on glass at like 150 words a minute. I don't think the software can keep up. <laughs> Probably not. Um, but yeah, so that's, I mean, it, it looks in the screenshot, like it looks with a little floaty keyboard, it looks a lot more like like the iOS version. And as long as the accuracy of choosing where I want the cursor to go stays, yeah. then I don't care. Really, what it it's like. not having a giant tap target for bringing the menu up. Yes. <laughs> that's what the difference and, is. And apparently, people were struggling with the symbols. Yeah. I mean, people, and this is one of those things. It's like now that they changed it, I never heard anyone complain. And now the floodgates have opened. Work. All these comments and tweets. People are like, "Finally, I'll know which button is copied." That word, finally. <laughs> See, I think the app permissions. You can say finally about that. But, I agree. Yes. But whenever like just some tiny little minor thing that isn't obvious gets changed, and someone's like, "Finally," <laughs> like it was like flashing in front of them. Forever. Yeah, I just I don't I I don't know. I didn't have a problem with this. And here's another thing that I didn't have a problem with. The volume. People are like, oh, Android L totally broke volume controls. So what like, changed there? I don't know. <laughs> like, I honestly, I mean, I've, I okay, so the phone that I'm on now has L. The phone I was on, like, two weeks ago had uh, 4.4, so KitKat. I, I don't, 
I know they're different, but not in a way where I'm like, oh, okay. man, they're so different. So, so, so now I guess what they're bringing back or they're adding in for the first time is it's going to be you can um, – when you bring the, the menu down with the volume, it'll be like, I think, volume for whatever you're currently doing. So if you're just on the home screen, it would be the ringer. If you're in the YouTube app, it would be like media volume. But then you can like drag it down and you get all the volumes. Oh, so there's a new master volume? No. Okay. So the whatever you, oh, you see mean, first like you is can, contextual. You can pull it open to see the other volumes. Right. So okay. so if you're watching a YouTube app and you decide I want to mute my ringer, you could okay. show the ringer volume even though the contextual one is media volume. So is that the only change that you have this new unintuitive but available extra power command? That is all I'm able to tell. Okay. Yeah. Because other than that, it sounds like iOS to me, which was it's Ringer, unless you're in a media thing, then it's the other volume. Which the is media how volume. Android has always been. Yeah. Or at least in, in recent memory. What I was worried is that if when it, at first it sounded like there was an extra master volume, that's Windows land and that's crazy land. Yeah, that is crazy. Where their volume, like, whoa, we have like a full menu of volumes. Oh. Which ones would you? <laughs> <laughs> we have a wide selection of volumes for you to pick from none of them are the one you want well but that, i mean that so android it sounds like does the same thing as ios like it's contextual so if i hit the down volume key while a youtube video is playing it lowers the youtube video yeah. not my phone ringer yeah and but then the- again i don't this has never been a problem like you just know that the volume acts on the thing this that's is, currently happening this is how mature these platforms are getting that they're starting to solve things that weren't problems <laughs> Oh, um, here's another interesting one. Uh, so they added USB Type C support to Android M, and there's uh, there's two things to unpack here. Uh, one is everyone generally felt like the Nexus Six was cartoonishly large, and there's now rumors swirling that they're going to be a 2015 Nexus Five. So ah, they're, they're going to go, come back. They're going to step it back to that like. Either four nine or five one form factor, which I like that size. That's the, yeah. the phone I have now is that size. It's it's getting to the upper limit of what I think is reasonable in one hand. Um, but it, it's it's a. But you're gonna have a watch soon anyway. So yeah, and then it won't matter. <laughs> um, but I mean, I I know I've I've been adjusting as my phones have gotten larger. But each adjustment, I'm aware like my hand can only open so much further <laughs> before it's just a flat palm. Um, but with uh, the USB Type C thing. There was a, so they showed like they plugged this phone in and uh, the menu pops up and I like this. This kind of goes with the granular app permissions is they immediately say, what do you want to do? Do you want to do power? Do you want to do um, data? Do you want to do data and power? Do you want to do video? Like, so you, you have flexibility because if you're in like a sketchy airport, yeah. you're like power only, no data is allowed to yeah. transfer over this connection. So like. And I remember saying this when we talked about USB-C, like, please bake that into the software. So thank you for listening. Or at a hardware level, even. Yeah, I want both. But at least they're starting with the software. And then maybe you'll have your power-only USB-C cable you carry around. Um, The other thing is one of the menu options is to uh, power the device you plugged it into. It's like, so who's walking around with an Android <laughs> phone that's just brimming with battery? I mean, like, not to hate on them or anything, but I mean, they're tiny. 
yeah. they're using their battery. It would be the modern version of like jump starting someone else's car. It's like, <laughs> I just need to boot up and text my wife. Can you just give me like five minutes? <laughs> Dude, you're at like 80%. I'm, I'm at like 3%. The battery icon is just a sad face. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I'm sure that will happen. You know, you'll be out with a buddy, buddy's phone is going to die that exact thing like oh just let me text my spouse and let them know my phone's about to die like okay but in general it's like maybe put that option at the bottom or in whatever spot is least accessible to a thumb on one hand because that's the one we're going to use the least yeah so the other big announcement at io well there were several but um that we can get to, but Android Pay was uh, their revamping of Google Wallet and uh, hopefully some more success on the way this time. And it seems like, um, I, I didn't get a deep look at the software, but from your cursory glance, it looks pretty similar to Wallet. Well, from the way they demoed it, it's freaking identical. So um, it seems like the main difference here is Google negotiated buy-in from the carriers Instead of just saying, here's a great open platform, please use it. And then the carriers are like, fuck you, no. Yeah. Well, and this is, I think this is it, is all of the sexy parts are developer sexy parts. So it's, um, it, you know, it's an open platform that other apps can hook into. They don't have to completely restructure their life around Google Wallet. They can just be like, oh, it's an Android device, except Android Pay. You know, so there's, there's, and that's for like in app stuff. And then, um, for like in a store, it functions basically the way Google Wallet or Apple Pay function now, where you just like smack your phone and it works. So with Google Wallet, you didn't have to enter a pin or anything; it would just pop up. Uh, you could do either. I use oh, a pin because okay. I'm not crazy. Did you have to like proactively go into the app first? I honestly am not sure the way this is supposed to function. In my experience, I have to open the app. Okay, I think Android Pay is set up so you don't even have to do that. It's like the it just NFC like pops up with a little, which is how you would expect it to work. Yeah, because I mean I don't pay with my phone that often, so I only have about a half a dozen or so data yeah. points. Um, one of the other big things that they uh, announced showed it's in one of the demo videos is a uh, hands free payment. Where you walk in and you're just like, I'd like to pay with Android Pay, and then they go, Okay, Mister Edwards, thank you, and and then they like charge your phone, and they weren't real clear on how that works. And maybe the example just doesn't have enough detail for me to understand. That doesn't sound like a normal human interaction. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, so the like the, something people are gonna do. <laughs> the, the article that I read about this, apparently, the, a bunch of apps have tried this. Where they're like, okay, we're gonna like the Starbucks app. You could just walk in and be like, oh, just charge my Starbucks thing. And it's like, but how? How? How does that? What how? if there's ten of these people in there? Do they know which one you are? I guess your account brings up a picture. But that's what I mean. Is how? So is it now Bluetooth? Yeah. Or over Wi-Fi? Like how does how? So it's iBeacons or is, whatever. Yeah. Do you have to set this up ahead of time and then from then on you can pay? And you're like, oh, sorry, I have my phone in airplane mode. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm I'm very fuzzy on this. And apparently, everyone else who's tried it has just failed miserably. Like no one uses it. it. Just I just don't get the 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 human culture aspect of like I would like to use oh, Android. Oh, so in in this video, um, if you jump to like the very end of this YouTube video, the hands free by Google. So like, oh, let me see here. No, not the stupid black text on a white background. Yeah, so if you jump to like uh, t- 30 seconds, 
it's a woman with a small child and a baby in like a baby Bjorn. <laughs> and she's like, she's got her hand, like she's soothingly like rubbing the baby's head. And she's like, I'd like to pay with Google. And it's just like, you know, okay, Mrs. Johnson or whatever. And then she leaves and it's just like, uh, was that she's in a baby. Yeah. The baby Bjorn is designed so that you can use your hands. Like that, yeah. that is its function. When to me, like there needs to be like an Occam's razor of like the, the low tech solution that wins. And to me, that's, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> bewildered. The the whatever we should coin a word, or maybe someone has for the Occam's razor of like find the lowest tech solution that is just equivalent in terms of effort. That is not Google's way. And uh, no, it's like oh, the, like I'm sure the, the like the cloud services that need to be in place to make that happen are tremendous and impressive. <laughs> but to me, it's like oh well, why not just a watch or just pull your phone out? But like. If we get yeah. watches, then I'll just okay. Yeah, <laughs> but then but then you have to stop soothing your child for a single second. <laughs> yeah, I don't. So that one is what that's one of those things that I'm like, oh, it's the Google Wave of Android Pay, <laughs> <laughs> the little slight overreach of like you nailed it, and then this weird part. <laughs> well, it's more like yeah, it would be awesome if I could just walk into a business like in Minority Report and it just knew who I was and just charged my credit card, but we don't have retina scanning cameras everywhere. Well, and is the benefit of that convenience worth the infrastructure needed to make it happen? Uh, Only if you can say there's no. like a hundred other things, but that's like promise right now. It's not right. fulfillment. Yeah, and that's why I'm like, this is way too early to the gate. Yeah. Um, so one of the other things um, was uh, Google Now contextually inside of apps. So not just like, oh, your location or your email suggests some things to Google Now, but you could be looking at Yelp at a restaurant and you could say Google Now and it could tell you other contextual information about that kind of food or that location. Yeah, or, I, I love that it's called Now on Tap. Yeah. So it's they, they, it was Google Now and now it's Google Now on Tap. But only when you're using that one feature. So the internet kind of freaked out over this because now Google sees everything in your apps. And do you think this is a hysteria again? Or um, yeah, because it yeah. <laughs> and well, here's my main thing. Whenever someone says I don't want someone to know what I'm doing in such and such an app or in such and such a place, I'm like, well, you better not do it on the internet because your carrier sees everything. I mean, unless it's secure and encrypted, but a lot of stuff still isn't. Um, and the other thing is, this is probably a good time to introduce this feature because granular permissions. Yeah. In this app, I want to be able to use Google Now on tap, and in that one, I don't. Yeah. You know, give Google access to such and such an app, not this Snapchat other Snapchat dick pics, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> do you want us to index your dick pics? No, Google. In fact, I do not want you to do Do you that. want to see other dicks like this one? <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> That's just awful. Uh, funny you should say that because we're going to talk about photos in a minute. But <laughs> yeah, so the now on <laughs> the now on tap thing, um, the, they always the examples they use always feel really trivial, and I always have to ask myself like, am I ever going to use that? <laughs> and if I do, will I be angry when I become addicted to triviality? Do you use Google Now in its current form? Uh. This is a slightly more complicated answer than you were probably imagining. Yes, the reason I'm not at this 
moment using it is because there's a bug on my phone and it just oh, okay. murders the battery. Okay. But up until I got this device like two weeks ago, yes, I used it like many times a day, do every you, day. Did you like deeply customize like what shows up in it or kind of just let it do its thing? Um, I mostly turn stuff off because uh, it's it learns over time. So like it got better about showing me certain things. But at first, like... It was showing me stocks, and I was like, I don't own any stock. I, I give zero craps about <laughs> Who is about this stock. like fictional person that all Silicon Valley oh, yeah. companies think of? It's like, yeah, what's the latest NASDAQ? Yeah, I don't, dude, <laughs> I don't know. Um, the other one was local sports teams, like – they're like Denver Broncos, such as I'm like, nope. <laughs> like, I'm, sport ball, sport balled somewhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure this is useful for a whole lot of people, but I'm just not in that group. Um, but then other things like, uh, and actually, so there's a whole TripIt thing that's that's interesting. So um, Inbox uh, does all these cool like roll-ups and Google Now does a lot of cool roll-up things with your email. So now people are saying like, oh, well, if it can intelligently figure out all the emails that are related to travel and then figure out which ones are related to the same travel, you know what you just made totally useless? All those travel apps. Because yeah. now not only does it figure it out, but it figures it out automatically. Like you don't even have to forward it certain emails. And like I use TripIt for work and it's it's pretty neat, but it's because it's tied to an account that only gets information about work travel. Yeah. So like it can't fail. Um, but if I'm like, traveling for business and sometimes I'm traveling for leisure and maybe I buy a plane ticket for my wife, but the email comes to my account. Like it doesn't know the difference, but Google now might be able to recognize those things. So that would be neat if it was just like, Hey, you know, there's a really bad accident on the highway. I know you like to get to the airport two hours ahead of time. So you better leave like in 10 minutes. Otherwise Mm. you're going to be late. I just wonder how uh, rapidly this machine learning stuff is just going to like become Super amazing. Like right now it's like, oh, that's cool. You like guess that I <laughs> you know it's gonna take until suddenly like, oh my god. <laughs> like, my whole life is better. Well, so um <clears throat> do you use Google Maps on iOS or are you a crazy Apple Maps guy? Um I have both installed and I But which do you use? I use Apple Maps unless it's clearly like has no <laughs> idea what's going on. Which honestly doesn't happen that much anymore. Okay. So they've uh recently they folded a bunch of uh Waze features into Google Maps and when you start driving, if there's like multiple routes that are similar, it'll tell you, okay, the route you're on is the fastest route and it's also clear of obstructions. So stay the course. And if it's not, and I actually just had this happen the other day, like I started driving the way I always drive and apparently there was like road construction and it was like, oh, this route normally takes 12 minutes, but you should really go this other way. So it like navigated me like around the construction and I was like, that's how that should work always. (laughs) Like, I hope that this is the new normal because that was amazing. I don't just want the orange number where it's like, "Eh, it might take you a little longer. Like, I want to just tell me like, ah, it sucks. Go a different way. It's like your buddy who's like, ah, it's always clogged up at this time of day. Don't go down fifth. Fifth is going to be busy. Let's take seventh, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's like, then it feels like you're getting navigation from someone who knows the way not just from someone who's reading a map. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to look up the details, but one of the other things that uh, isn't in our rundown, but that I saw in the news was uh, some new Chrome functionality where Chrome could be inside of other apps and still know your sign-in state and other stuff. So Yeah, so basically they open-sourced all of the non-proprietary parts of Chrome. So basically anything that wouldn't be like a security risk. And uh, 
We're like, okay, so hook into these APIs and replace your piece of garbage in app browser with Google Chrome. Yeah. You know, so it's it's gonna like if you're signed into Twitter already and you don't for whatever reason you don't have a Twitter app, and then like Instagram sends you to Twitter, like you're already signed in. So it's yeah. not like some new in app browser that doesn't know who you are or where yeah. you're coming from. It doesn't hi I'm a server you when you Exactly. And this happens to me on iOS because I'll tap on an article in the Twitter app and it I mean, you can tell it always go to Safari, but then it's like, no, I was just checking the article out real quick, and I want to go back to my tweets, and you're like, I don't want to switch apps. So like, you can't win either way, but it is annoying when I go into an app, and then for some reason I want to do something in that in-app browser involving something I'm logged into, and I'm like, well, I'm two-factor, and I need, oh, yeah. nope. Yeah, nope, it just <laughs> and broke like, the universe. Or, I mean, the it's paper-cutty, not like deal-breaker, but like... Open in Safari is a button that's there, and it's like if it's really important that I do the thing I wanted to yeah. do, I can load the page again and then do it. <laughs> but um, that's very interesting that it could it can pass the, the the state of your browser or has access to the yeah. Well, because I mean, really, it's the rendering engine. Yeah, is is one part of it, but then it's like the what it has stored and your sessions and stuff are a whole separate part of the the app. Yeah. So I don't know. I, it's these are little things that are like, yeah, it's a developer conference. Like you just won't notice how much more convenient your phone yeah. suddenly is when you are like, oh, I don't have to reload this website six times yeah. to get to where I needed to be. Well, I just thought it was cool. I wanted to call it out. Um, another big topic. Let's get into this. Photos. So <laughs> it seems like Google's firing the first shot of unlimited free photos. Yes, all the things. I mean. Flickr did a terabyte, which was a nice first shot at it. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, I don't think I have a terabyte of photos, though I do know some people definitely do. Yeah, because I mean, really, Unlimited, they're, me and you and everybody else, we're subsidizing real photographers who take hundreds of ultra high res yeah, photos, photos and video. 50 megabytes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're just. Like, yeah, we have unlimited, but we're never going to go over like maybe a couple of gigs or yeah. even several gigs. Um, but the, the thing that's amazing about this is they also mashed all their awesome machine learning on top of it. So, like, if I go, let's see, I'm going to, I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to live do this. <laughs> so, like, if I go into the new Google Photos app, which works on iOS and Android, and, and it looks also like cool it's using, using some of their uh, image search. Magic from Google searching images. Yeah. Like the way it, it loads as you scroll down and all that. It looks like they just reappropriated that stuff. Yeah. But so I, I can type like Susan because I have some pictures of Susan and then like pictures of Susan show up. But let's see. I'm going to try something really crazy. Let's see. Like cats. So is it, I do have some pictures of cats. Does it know where my pictures of cats are? I don't know. I'm um, getting loady circle of death. But yeah. the point of this is it's supposed to do for your photos what it's doing for Google Images. Oh, there it is. So oh, I just did yeah, there's, there's I just, pictures of cats. Yeah, I just did people, so it's just all faces and some funny like weird stuff that was in my But like memory. I had um so you remember in our my old office I had a ceiling cat taped up. Well, yeah. I took a picture of that. It found it. Because it looks like a cat. I also have a picture of the GitHub logo for some reason from February 16th. And it figured that out. And it figured that out because it looks kind of like a cat. Yeah. So, I mean, not only is it cool that it can already do that, but by making this free infinite storage service, Google is incentivizing, yeah, give us tons of raw material to teach our machines how to do this even better. 
And see, this is what when I I get in arguments with people, and they're like, "Oh, Google just wants to mine your data," and I'm like, "Yeah, but kind of for the greater good, <laughs> like." They're solving problems that would be impossible to solve without this volume of data. So it's like, if you want them to solve these problems, someone has to provide billions of photos of faces and cats and dogs and mountains and ice cream. And like, no one's going to add time to their life to do this just for the greater good. Google has to make it so that people just want to do it for other reasons. Like, oh, I just want somewhere to store my photos right. and share them quickly out or you know, be on a new machine and drag it to my desktop when I need it. Yeah, and considering they literally have entire departments to design secure Linux kernel like additions and physical hardware security and then room-level security that is world-class, yeah. like I, I trust them with my photos. <laughs> like, I'm just not that worried about it. I also don't take photographs of things that I would not want someone to see a photograph of. Yeah. I just <laughs> Well, I do like the the machine intelligence is already impressive like receipts is a thing you can search for and Yep. Um how many like yeah, just those little pieces of paper you decide to take a picture of or you know, it's like your your parking tag that says where you parked your car or something like um, yeah, throw some AI at that so I don't have to worry about remembering that thing. Like, I parked at the airport, I took a picture, and I left, and I didn't think about it. Yeah, and that's. And then know when I'm coming back to look for my oh, car. Oh, there. That's actually a recent addition to Google now is when you open it, it says, This is the last place you parked your car. And, and the way it does that is because you were traveling at 70 miles an hour and then 30. And then all of a sudden you were traveling at three miles an hour. So you probably got out of the car. Yeah. So it just guesses. Yeah. Unless you're in a traffic jam on a highway and it knows you're still on the highway. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, that's one of those things. It's like, it's really stupid. But now every single remember where my car is app was just immediately made worthless. Yeah. Because I had to open that app and because tell it I parked the, the car. Yeah. The metadata was able to suggest it to Google. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I'm looking through this. It's like, so I take a lot of, one of the few things I take a lot of pictures of is when I go hiking and I just have all these pictures that are labeled as sky and then I have others that are mountains and trees because like it knows, you know, and it's, they're, it's pretty good. Yeah. Like this, I mean, do you, do you where do you back up your photos generally? Oh, I just tried trees pretty good. <laughs> I did find uh, this gem. <laughs> which I'll include in the show notes. Yeah, please put that in the show notes. Um, let's just for the for the audience, <laughs> me with a mustache and a monocle. It's clearly a Google Hangouts like augmented thing. But are you even actually in the woods? <laughs> no, it's just all fake. Look at it again. Do you think I'm actually oh, no. in the woods? Okay, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty. <laughs> I know good. this isn't a retina screen. <laughs> it's some serious Photoshop. I'm, I was I was totally confused. <laughs> the best part is so this monocle is on top of my glasses. <laughs> I also I love when uh, whenever the AI adds like a beard or a mustache, like it's always straight on to the camera, yeah. even though you're like a three quarter. It's like old like Wolfenstein or something where you're like strafe around like a clearly a sprite, and it's like I'm always facing you. <laughs> you you can't see my back. I don't have a back. Yeah, but I mean, where where do you back up photos? Do you do something secure? Or? So I have iCloud turned on because I I want all my iDevices to be fully backed up. So I bought the like cheapest level of storage. It's like four bucks a month or something, and so I have photos going into that. And then I also have a, a, a honest to god physical hard drive. A what? <laughs> 
But um, and then I also so I'm one of those like as you should be. There's lots of layers of different kinds of backup. Good so man. I have Backblaze running all the time. So that's my offsite is my entire Mac, which has all my photos synced down. Right is is mirrored. Yeah. In so local copies for convenience. And I turned I did turn on photos.google.com. So. There will be just another one. It's like, well, it's free, and I, I, I don't have those qualms that pe- alarmist bloggers that want page right. views are complaining about. I, I should say, and I, I think you probably feel this way. Like, I'm glad there are watchdogs. I'm glad there are people who are paranoid and they're they're checking first. You know, is the pool really six feet deep before I jump in? You said it was six, but I want to measure it myself. Yeah. Like, I'm glad those people are out there. But I feel like part of the whole reason we get brand loyalty is like a history of success. Like I don't check the quality of a Mac when I pick it up. Like I just assume it's going to be aluminum and it's going to be rock solid. Just like, I don't wonder like, Oh, is this going to be the time Google screws me? Cause yeah. And that's the, we mentioned that and I know we made it, you know, 56 minutes into an episode without talking about Microsoft, (laughs) but we, we talked about like, at least in terms of their research division, they've had so many, that sounds like cool technology. Oh my God, you, you, failed at bringing this to market in a way that made sense to humans and so they they don't have that earned trust at least in not in in that specific quadrant obviously their their enterprise like i don't think anyone's too worried about microsoft's cloud services they're they're kind of kicking some ass there yeah. themselves but um anyway we got that far without completely <laughs> shitting on them. <laughs> so you want to talk about the smart lock thing yeah tell me what this is so this is another great example of like awesome developer thing most users won't even realize it's like happening but it's google taking steps toward password alternatives um just like the fingerprint unlock it's going to be able to maybe store your fingerprints in like the google smart unlock and then it'll say like okay well i know it's your fingerprint on that device now you're trying to log in on this device okay it's you yeah i recognize your fingerprint um this is going to be a way to store like two-factor auth and and secure Bluetooth devices, like all the sorts of ways we're starting to slowly get away from username password. Yeah. You know, so it's like, again, it's like super low level, super developer facing, but, you know, a year from now, maybe two years from now, we're going to look back and be like, man, you remember when we thought like swiping a a six-pointed star onto a grid was like secure? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. To be fair, I don't think anyone really thinks that's secure. It's just... So much more convenient. That it, but even <laughs> it's that. It's the like, modicum of like random stranger won't just pick up my phone and they'll just be like, oh, fuck it. Even like, uh, does iOS let you use a longer than a four digit pin? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember they didn't for a long time? I don't. Okay. So for a while, you could do a password and the password could be however long. But pins, for whatever reason, were fixed at four numbers. Oh, I think that's still true. You have to switch to password. Yeah. So. You can't like say you're a math genius and you can memorize twenty digits, like or you know twenty digits of pi, and then you intentionally yeah. change the last one. Like it's not even an option. Well, I feel like, yeah, that's true. Um, Th- this matters because when you're in password mode, you get a keyboard. That's true. When you're in pin mode, you get a number. But pad. I feel like if you're unhappy with ten thousand options for your password. Then you switch to you know x digits to the twenty sixth, not yeah. x digits to the tenth. <laughs> you just go okay. full into, or it's more than to the twenty sixth because you have caps and symbols and everything else. Yep. But <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean I agree with you. And you. You're going for the bigger password space. Yeah, but to me, it's it's partially just an input thing. 
like on my my one password password is freaking awesome like nobody's ever gonna guess it i've tried very hard to be smart and secure about it it's not like the first three streets i ever lived on (laughs) hunter two yeah it's it's nothing dumb like that um but it's way the hell easier to type on a keyboard on a laptop than it is on a keyboard on a phone because it's like 35 or some crazy amount of characters it's all over the damn board like it's really not comfortable on a phone and that's where i want to be able to use one device to say i am the guy that's trying to sign into that well that's why i want this fingerprint api so i can be like yes one password it is me <laughs> which you can do on ios it's awesome yeah <laughs> but Android's yeah, it's not like there if yet. you reboot you have to enter your password once or something but like yeah it's ap- once each reboot. after that then it's like which is I, okay that's fine i'm fine with that level of security yeah or in inconvenience well there's a whole bunch of like the the i think it's actually the hardware level of the touch id requires you to re-authenticate because like if you reboot your ipad it you have to put in your pin or whatever before you can even get into the ipad no matter what yes it's for touch id not for one password specifically that's like a distinction i just the civil liberty side of me is because like the courts are still deciding if your fingerprint is something you can be forced to give up to get into a device because it's not knowledge, it's you. Yeah. Yep. And so there's they're kind of iffy on like can you biometrics? Can you refuse the police when they say put your finger down and open that thing? Yeah. And uh, now you just have to reboot your device and then you can't be forced to give up the knowledge of your password. Right. So another thing about this or the kind of the the crux of this smart unlock that's like immediately useful is one of the other things it lets you do is uh, you can like associate a saved password with Google, which means if I'm logged into Google on my Android phone, which of course you are, then I go to like the New York Times app. If my New York Times password is saved in the smart lock, then it says like, oh, okay, I know who that is. So this is like, this is like a half-baked password manager. You know, it's not quite one password or last pass or mm-hmm. key pass, but it's like it's kind of going in that direction a little bit. And this I have to say this is one of the few things where I'm kind of like I don't want to trust Google with this. Not because I don't trust them, it's because this is one of those things that I want to be isolated. Like yeah, I don't want to accidentally send an email that Google flags, and for some reason they lock my account, and now I'm locked out of the universe. Yeah, because I can't get to any of my passwords that are in my Google Smart Lock. So, question, which I don't know why it would be sensitive, but you don't have to answer. If you don't <laughs> to. Um, do you keep written down like backup recovery codes in a physical form anywhere? No, um, they're in my One Password. Yeah. So. And like, if your one password vault's gone, I mean, do, yeah, you, do you know any of your actual passwords to anything else? I know a few that would help me. And what are those passwords? <laughs> Hunter 2, baseball, <laughs> pass 1, 2, 3, 4. Um, I know a few that would keep me, they would allow me to save the world. If, yeah, we'd go on a reset <laughs> spree. Yeah, if like, the world started to come crashing down because like one password folded or I lost my, my, my vault somehow, yeah. like... I could I do like that begrudgingly the, pick up the pieces. The one password vault can be just accessed through a web browser is yeah. nice if you have the actual archive. And I mean that was one of the things that LastPass was really attractive to me was like some security genius or crew of geniuses are managing this. Right. And then I don't know what it was, but I just like 
I don't know, a year ago, six, eight months ago, I was just like, uh, I want to own this. You went to the store last pass, man, and you came home and you're like, I'm a one passer. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was like, I had a come to Jesus moment. I was just like, I need to own this for some reason. Does the app suck less on Android yet? Yeah, it's good. It's okay. fine. It used, to, it used to be a super second class citizen of like, yeah, I guess we'll make one. I think I came on the very tail end of that. Like, because I got it and I was it used like, to not even look like it, an Android app. Yeah, I got it and I was like, oh, it's okay. And then I, at some point shortly after that, it was fine. And I mean, I use it on Android and iOS every day. And minus the, uh, the, th- the touch ID, they're basically indistinguishable. Um, which actually, so that means they're not adhering to iOS or Android's design aesthetics, <laughs> just like the app. <laughs> um, so we didn't have in here, but do we have any time? We're over an hour. Now nah, we have um, time. I was just going to say, didn't they unveil like a Internet of Things home platform? Uh, we've said zero words about no, it. <laughs> they did, and you know what? This is like, I... Is that Weave? Yeah, Weave. Or they had such a weird logo for the W that someone was like, I'm really excited for Eve. <laughs> weave, Eve. And Braille. Um, so, yeah, I paid like no attention to this because I'm not super interested in this. I will be interested Connected in this. Connected home? No, I'm interested in the concept. And just like I was interested in Android TV. But like until I have someone I know yeah. and trust and they're like, oh, I have a smart lock and I have an Android thermostat and I have an Android lights and all this stuff and it works awesome, then I'll be like, okay. So I am like research free on this. I looked yeah. into this none. Yeah, I didn't really look <laughs> deeply into it either. I was just noting our absence of like that's one of the big headline ones I would say is yeah. even if it's still developery of like soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so I think the one thing they did with this that's again another big step in the right direction that's not very sexy to look at as a consumer is they were like what if we fixed the actual problem? And the actual problem is all these different devices refuse to talk to each other. So that's the space they went after. It was like, we're going to target the talky part yeah, so the, that the communication. You know, the Philips smart lights can talk to the general electric smart oven and the, you know, the, so they be the garage door opener. They want to be the app.net of. <laughs> oh, that's a sad and probably <laughs> accurate comparison. Um, the difference is they're not charging, so it might actually work. <laughs> But I mean, they're still going to produce devices. They're still yeah. going to partner with companies directly. But but that's the part that's sucky, right? Yeah. Is like instead of saying everyone use our platform, they're just going to say like everyone speak the same language. Then yeah. once you're on your device, do whatever the hell you want. So this is more like JSON, right? Yeah, it's like okay, we're just we're all going to pass JSON back and forth, and it's going to work great. Which is that probably just got really programmery for yeah. for some of our listeners. Well, I just had the wild thought of like how long until like the place you work is like decided by well, do you guys have Internet of Things at your office or wherever I go? Because that feels awfully far off. <laughs> like I don't want to work like in a dumb office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but what? Can, so what? What would you want? Like you walk in your office and like your terminal wakes up and it. Opens all the apps. It plays knows. my theme song. Plays your theme song, of course. That's priority one. Someone you don't like walks to talk to you and the door slams in their face. <laughs> it's more of that. Or if you're in an open office, a get smart style cone of silence <laughs> yeah. comes down over you. Uh, yeah, no, all of this. All of it would be fine. 
But I feel like those are going to count as luxuries for a long time. Yeah. I don't really think anybody walks we'll, into their we'll, house after a long day and they're like, I'm too tired to even turn on the lights. Will we just blow up the idea of having a workplace before then? <laughs> Maybe. Or at least it'll get pared way down. Or it'll just be a generic, here's a smart office that you can work in. Oh, from any company. So, so everybody's remote workers. So yeah, we're all in co-working spaces now. Yeah, I go to the same place every day, but it's not my company's office building. And I could switch loyalties and say that office building is way better. They temperature control better. Yeah. Than I get. I mean, I could see that kind of thing happening because the fastest growing sector is technology. That sector is very comfortable with remote workers like myself, and they're more tech savvy. Exactly. So it, I mean, it makes. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's not going to be like one day nobody goes to an office. Yeah. But maybe like slowly over time, whittling down. This is just the, the, the ebb and flow of culture is like, decentralize everything. Oh, this is really annoying. Let's centralize everything. Oh, let's decentralize again. Yes, <laughs> but I would say the overall trend is toward decentralization because the one thing the internet indisputably indisputably does well is communication. So every time we think of a new cool way to communicate and then it's, uh, it's not as good as we thought, but now we've kind of opened that door and now everybody's like, Oh, what if we improve that? You know? And so like, then we go back and we try it again and we do it a little bit better. So I think like we're heading toward more and more decentralization. Um, I mean, in industry, they used to call that globalization and now yeah. that's just like, yeah, of course. Of yeah. course, some of the parts are from China and some are from Switzerland because, duh. But even that, like, well, I feel like at that conference we or the symposium that was brought up as like, well, maybe globalization is the wrong word because 3D printing or whatever will actually not everything will come from China and not like things yes. will be printed everywhere. So right. it has a different meaning of globalization. Well, but I mean, that's so that's for a kind of manufacturing, but it's like, okay, um, my the design for this dryer knob came from a designer in Denver, and the machine, like the actual 3D printer, is made by a company in Switzerland. But the filament I like comes from a company in Japan. So it's like you can still have these pockets of specialization. It's just not going to be everything is manufactured in China and gets shipped on these giant boats. Yeah. So yeah. I I think it'll be it'll be a change, but yeah. Hopefully we're going to get away from shipping containers, shipping other shipping ships with <laughs> shipping ships on them. All right, should we should we kill this? I think we should. Yeah. So check out the show notes for this episode number sixty nine. No jokes about that. At uh, uh, sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash sixty nine. We'll have links to all this stuff, including the crazy monocle picture. So you got to check that out. Um, we love feedback. I'm, uh, we're both on Twitter, so tweet at us. I'm Medwards Music. And I am at Lions in Beta. And uh, subscribe in your favorite podcatcher. So listening on the web is cool, but you know what's really cool is being subscribed so that new episodes show up automatically. Um, if you have an iDevice, you have a podcast app already, use it or download, po- uh, not Pocket, well, Pocket Cast is on iOS. And it's probably pretty good. Um, I like Overcast. It's a free app. It works great. And uh, Pocket Cast or uh, Podcast Addict, or there's a whole bunch on Android too. Um, subscribe. You'll get episodes automatically. It's awesome. Um, if you want to support us, and we do love our supporters, uh, you can head to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And, uh, you know, every dollar matters. Uh, even just one dollar goes a long way helping us out. Um, but if you get up to five or ten dollars, you can get your name mentioned on flipping tables or the entire network 
of shows. And uh, at this point, we want to have special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Bruce Edwards, Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, and Andreas Lunga. All right, we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.